0: Hallelujah. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost here in this place tonight. And um, there's been a lot of praise and worship. This thing needs to move a little deeper at this point in the service. If you have the Holy Ghost, I wonder right now if you would begin to do what apostolics do. And let's pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. From front to back, side to side, would you just let the Spirit of the Lord... Begin to flow through you right now. Come on, let those tongues begin to flow through you. Would you lift your voice? Come on, this is what breaks shackles. Would you connect with a neighbor just for a moment if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, and would you just push just for a moment in the spirit? Yes. Riyamahayadaboku Ramando Bokushanda. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My, my. So thankful for what we are feeling. I have come to this meeting tonight with great expectation. and uh, It is an honor to be here. And I give honor to all of the. Council members, Chairman Brother Godair To our Youth Council, Development Council We honor them, and Brother Wells And thank them for the invitation to speak to you tonight And I do have a few special guests Who are here with me My father, who is my pastor My mother, and my brother, they are here I appreciate them very much And um, I'm very thankful that my beautiful wife and daughter are here with me and I love them. My daughter asked my wife before service, would there be any children's services tonight? I said, no, it's just daddy's preaching. She said, how boring. So pray for me. And uh, when Brother Wells originally asked me to come, I was an evangelist in revival and had no idea At that time that by the time I stepped to this pulpit, we would be pastoring and we are honored to be pastoring in the city of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And some of our uh, youth and college and career are here tonight. And uh, God is giving us tremendous revival. Backsliders are coming home. People are receiving the Holy Ghost, amen. And Cultural barriers are being broken and we are thankful for it and uh, I've received many calls and texts today From them letting me know they're praying for me, and I'm so grateful for that And I want to be transparent with you uh, Several days prior to my coming to Houston. I have been in an intense spiritual battle and it has followed me here to this place and and um, It's always been my experience when the devil begins to fight with intensity, he is afraid. Hallelujah. When the devil begins to fight with everything he has, he is afraid. And he knows that he is on the verge of losing a significant battle. Hallelujah. We fight in faith, but the devil fights in fear. Amen. And I believe that he is terrified of the potential that exists in this room tonight. And the devil does not have all knowledge. He does not know what is about to happen. But he senses what you should be sensing, that there is a spiritual shifting trying to take place. Amen. I believe that tonight God wants to make this house, I don't know what it was last week, But tonight, it will be a place of deliverance. Tonight, it will be a place where chains are broken. Addictions are broken. Hallelujah. I believe that this will be the most monumental peak conference to date, not because of location, but because of the move and demonstration of the Holy Ghost that is going to take place. And I believe the Lord has impressed upon me that this week there will be a spiritual shift, not just in the service, but in our movement this week, in this meeting. I feel it already here. There is no telling what God is about to do. Is there a young person in this room tonight that came to peak 2022 with hunger and desire for the Lord to move in an unprecedented way. You and I determine what happens here tonight. I wonder if a few young people begin to take the limitations off of God and say tonight, God, whatever you have for me, let it be done in the name of Jesus. Praise God. You would turn with me your Bibles to Joel chapter 2 and verse 27 also 2nd Samuel chapter 14 and verse 14 for months I have prayed and sought the Lord and felt various things it was a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday afternoon praying in the office the Lord put this in my spirit prompted this to me And uh, I felt it so strongly I feel it tonight And if you will hear the word of the Lord And respond God is going to bring victory And deliverance And my assignment is to preach to young people But make no mistake about it What God wants to do for young people He wants to do for everybody Under the sound of my voice Hallelujah Hallelujah Joel chapter 2 and verse 27. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. You say that word, ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. Other translations of the particular verse. that said it shall come to pass afterward. It says they shall never be ashamed again. They will never be put to shame again second Samuel 14 and verse 14 verse 14 for we must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again neither doth god respect any person yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him another version renders the last portion but God does not just sweep life away instead he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him the ESV renders it but God will not take away life and he devises means so that the banished one will not remain an outcast now I have a title that is not twitter worthy but it says What I needed to say, I want to preach to you tonight from this subject, the removal of shame will loose the church. The removal of shame will loose the church. If you believe that God's fixing to move in this house, would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice and your expectations right now? Would you ask the Lord to speak to you? Come on, as loud as you can get all across this auditorium, would you lift your voice and begin to pray with expectation. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind every demonic spirit of hell that would oppose your will in this service. Let the gifting of faith be released in this house. Let expectations rise in this place. Let ministering spirits be sent into this room. We are believing, we are expecting, and we are anticipating a move and a demonstration of your spirit tonight. In the name of Jesus, if you're believing that God is about to do mighty things in this house, would you praise him with expectation right now and lift up a shout of praise in this house? Hallelujah! Somebody magnify the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you tonight, mighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. I have found in parenting, sometimes you have to let a child. Learn a lesson the hard way, if they're ever going to learn anything. You do your best as a parent to protect the child and to defend them and to keep them out of harm's way. But there are certain times and circumstances that no matter what you say, they're going to do what they want to do. And they're going to learn by experience instead of knowledge. As a matter how many times I tell my daughter not to run you always fall down and you scratch your knees up and you get upset. So stop running before you fall down. Something, something happens when it goes into her ear before it hits her brain and it recalculates what I have said. She always seems to need to learn the lesson the hard way. We often told my middle brother Man, you can't put mom's bobby pins in the electrical socket. Bad things happen. And he would often learn the hard way and have a rather shocking experience. And this is the constant battle of parenting. Don't touch the stove, it's hot. But sometimes they have to feel the heat. Don't do this, don't walk into the street without looking both ways. And sometimes lessons must be learned by experience. Luke 22, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The Lord has given Simon Peter a warning and a prophetic utterance that the devil is coming. The tempter and the sifter is coming in his direction and that he is going to be put to the test. He is going to be tried. But the Lord has also in one instance prophesied that he is going to come out on the other side. When you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. When the Lord makes this statement, he has already seen glimpses of Peter standing by the fire swearing and cursing and denying that he has ever known Jesus. He has already seen the mistakes that Peter is going to make. He has already seen this play out. And so the Lord sets Peter up to allow him to learn a lesson the hard way, to allow him to catch an up-close glimpse of what redemption and restoration looks like. Because it won't be that much longer and he is going to need it desperately. We find an interesting question that Jesus asked before they reached the garden place at some point, he asked a couple of them, do we have any weapons? And they said, here Lord, we have two swords. And he says, it is enough. He did not tell them to leave them at home. He did not instruct them to please Put them in a safe place we're not going to need them it was as if the lord was saying this is enough to play a role in the lesson that i am going to teach simon peter tonight in this garden we find as they enter into the garden and most of us are aware of this story the lord separates himself in the deeper portion of the garden and begins to pray the disciples off to the side they are praying and they have fallen asleep three times. He has awakened them and they have fallen asleep. And after much time spent in agonizing prayer, the high priest and the temple guards come under the cover of darkness to arrest Jesus. And Peter being one of the ones handed a sword, thinks in his own mind, perhaps Jesus intends for him to defend him that night. And as they make their moves, Upon Jesus, Peter strikes with a sword. And in one moment, Peter, in a ra- an irrational moment, he has made a decision that can forever destroy the rest of his future. Now, from your vantage point, and when you read that story, it may seem so insignificant to you. But if Jesus had not intervened, In Simon Peter's life, I assure you the story would read much differently. In one moment without thinking, in a lapse of judgment, Simon Peter has made a decision that could forever ruin his reputation in this entire region. He has made a choice that could forever destroy a ministry that could perhaps thrust him into prison or even to have him executed. The Lord has allowed all of this to unfold knowing what would take place. He rebukes Peter for his action. And then he stoops down and picks up the ear of Malchus places it on the side of his head and it was a gesture to Peter as if he was saying Peter this is what I can do with your failure this is what I can do with your mistake I can take the worst mistake of your life and make it as if it has never happened at all Am I preaching to any apostolics tonight? I'm here to declare that we serve a merciful God, that we serve a God of redemption. Come on, that's still a part of our message. Even he's a merciful God. His mercies are new every morning. He can redeem anybody. I can't hear you yet. He can forgive anybody. He can save anybody. If you're in need of restoration tonight, you're in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Praise God. He is a God of redemption. I believe that if we could have inspected the ear of Malchus, There would have been no blemish. There would have been no scarring. Not even redness. Because God doesn't just put a band-aid on my past. But he makes it as if it were never there. You've seen it happen in your local church. You give us a gangbanger. You give us an ex-druggie. You give them six months in an apostolic church. And they don't look the same no more. How is that? Redemption changes everybody. Redemption lifts everybody. Come on, redemption will take a sinner by the hand. And lift them to their feet. I don't care how addicted you are tonight. I don't care how broken you feel. I don't care how bound up you are. I'm telling you that Jesus has all power to redeem, to save, and restore. Hallelujah. Praise God. In America, you're not allowed to outlive your record. You commit a crime you pay the punishment. And it's forever on your record. It doesn't matter if you serve time and are released from prison. If you're ever stopped by the police, your record will always say he was a convict. And these are his crimes. It's always attached to you. It becomes a part of your identity. Try getting a job with that on your record. But there is something that a judge can do if he has the mercy in him to do so. He can expunge someone's record. I'm going to tell you something. When you come to Jesus, he doesn't just stamp your life with the statement, time served. Hallelujah. He doesn't just bandage over the failures in your life. But when you bring your sin and your mistakes and your failures to Jesus, He wipes the record clean. Come on, somebody. You're not an ex-convict when you come to Jesus. You're not an ex-sinner when you come to Jesus. You're a child of God. We believe in new birth and regeneration. Come on, somebody. When you come out of the water in Jesus' name, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you believe what I'm preaching right now? I said, he can make you new. He can make you new. He can make you new right now. He can make you talk different, think different, act different, dress different, live different. Oh, yes, he can. He wipes the slate clean. My past is not hanging over my head. I'm thankful that Jesus is willing to deal with the present. But he is also willing to deal with my past. I don't have to live trying to outrun my past and I'm preaching to people all across this room from young to old. There's not a person under the sound of my voice that could sit here with some kind of pious Pentecostal mask and act as if somehow you have never failed and you have never made a mistake. The Bible says that we have all sinned and come short. There's not a person in this room tonight that does not have something in your yesterday that you would hope would never be found out. Everybody has fallen down. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to work right now. Everybody has made mistakes. The devil is a liar. Does anybody believe that tonight? The devil's tactic does not stop with enticing us to sin. The devil will entice you, he is the tempter. He will put pressure upon your thoughts and upon your emotions and try to entice you. He appeals to your desires. You're drawn away by our own lust or desire. Hallelujah. He puts pressure on us at every twist and turn to give in, to taste, to touch. Why don't you try this joint? Nobody will ever know, it'll make you feel better. Can I preach like an apostolic tonight? Is that all right? If you want political correct or entertainment, you're not gonna get that tonight, but we are gonna have a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen, he'll entice you with anything you can imagine. I don't have time tonight to name everything under the sun, but he is pressuring this generation with pornography in a way that you cannot even imagine. I feel it. It's not just a young man's problem. It's an everybody's kind of problem in 2022. Amen. Perversion is being shoved down the throats of our young people. I pray for every young person that is attending a public school, even where they are trying to rewrite history and rewrite science and everything else and forcing ungodly atheistic beliefs down your throat. I know the temptation is real, brother. I know the pressure is real. The devil is out in full force trying to corrupt this generation. But I've got news for the devil. I believe this is the greatest generation of apostolics that the world is ever going to know. Do you believe that? The devil is relentless day after day, moment after moment. He is one of the most patient beings you'll ever come in contact with. If it takes six months to get you to fall, then he'll go after you for six months. But it is not enough for the devil to simply entice you to fall into sin. It's not enough for you to simply make one error. It's not enough for you to smoke one cigarette. It's not enough for you just to fall into the trap of fornication one time. But he wants to hook you in that place. He wants to make an addict out of you. I'm going to tell you the devil's weapon that he uses to keep people bound in sin is the weapon of shame. Somebody shout shame. Shame is a liar. Shame is a mocker. Shame is a deceiver. And right now while I am preaching, it is screaming in the minds of young people and adults all across this room. I'm telling you tonight, something's going to break. You're in the Holy Ghost. Somebody better get ready. I said, somebody better get ready. Rakoshakaya. Hallelujah. He uses shame to imprison us. We see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eve standing beneath the tree. I do not believe that we get the entirety of the story. We see Eve standing there in conversation with the devil. And it all goes so quickly. But we know in reality that's never how it happens to us. I believe what you see here is a culmination of temptation. I believe this was one of many conversations that Eve had with the devil. There is much familiarity in this conversation. She's far too comfortable. There is no fear. There is no concern. There is no hesitation. It's as if they have talked many times before. He has tried his best to sell her on all the fine points of what the tree of knowledge will produce in her life. He has heard she has heard his pitch. And I'm going to tell you the devil will make sin look so pretty. The devil will dress sin up in a way that you can't even imagine. The devil will tell you all of the benefits. The Bible promises us that sin is pleasure for a season. There is a side of sin that is exhilarating. There is a side of sin that brings a thrill. There is a side of sin that even brings some type of a sense of happiness. But the devil will never show you the other side of sin. The devil will never show you the flip side. On the other side of sin, I'm going to tell you what there is. There is addictions. Come on. On the other side of sin, there's criminal records. On the other side of sin, there's teenage mothers. On the other side of sin, there's young men in coffins. Come on, somebody. On the other side of sin, there's broken homes. On the other side of sin, there's perversion like you can't even imagine. But all of this is never revealed until you take the bite. He wants you to get it inside first. Just take a bite, Eve. She has listened. I wonder if at first, if she really paid any attention to him. Perhaps he whispered her name and just tried to talk, but she did her best to ignore him. But after a while, he wears down her resolve. And so now we're standing at the base of the tree and he is giving his best sales pitch. Eve, you shall not die. The Lord has just, he's played this up so big, it's really not the way he says it is. Eve, he's afraid that you'll become like him. He's afraid of what's going to happen to you. Eve, it's not what they've said. It's not going to be that way. It's There's no painful side effects. Come on, Eve. Just get this in your mouth. Just take a bite. Come on, somebody. The devil wants to make you his prisoner. This is where it starts. Just take a bite. Here in this particular story, the devil is playing his first role. The role of the tempter. That is how he first comes to any of us. Eve, just swallow it. It will be so enlightening. It will be so exhilarating. It's like nothing you've ever had before. You've got to be careful what tree you hang around. Hallelujah. The Lord said you can eat of any tree of this garden. Don't touch that one tell you all that we have access to in this house tonight after a while if we're not careful it becomes a little bit mundane when you've eaten off of every tree in the garden you've tried a little of this and a little of that and you've prayed and you've worshipped and you've fasted sometimes you want something that's just a little bit wild something that's a little bit edgy something you ain't never tried before and Eve's tried it all and so now it is so enticing to her And with hesitation, she puts the fruit to her lip. She takes a bite. She swallows it. And immediately the devil, and we don't see it play out here because I believe the devil went from external to internal. Now he's able to get a foothold in the mind and consciousness of Eve. Where before he is an audible voice and now he has direct access to her mind. Come on, your actions allow the devil to have inroads into your life. I'm going to preach right now what you think, what you watch, what you read, what you listen to, what you do with your body and who you run with is the key that unlocks the door for the adversary to speak into your life. Come on somebody. We don't get to see the rest. Because I believe it played out in Eve's brain. But the devil goes from tempter to the accuser. That's his second role. He has pressured her. He has pushed her to the point of breaking. And now he flips roles. Eve, I cannot believe you've done this. How could you do something so awful? You have ruined everything that God has done for you. You've wasted such a marvelous opportunity. Does that sound familiar to anybody in this house? I'm telling you there is a lying spirit that will push you and push you and push you to the breaking point and turn around and begin to accuse you. What is he doing? He is using the weapon of shame on you. He wants to hold you hostage for the rest of your life. I'm coming to declare tonight, tonight is a night of freedom. Tonight is a night of deliverance. Come on, if you believe that, shout It wants to hold you and keep you hostage. Shame causes us to act in ways that are unthinkable. It's shame that says, you already slept around once, that's just who you are, man, do it again. You've got high once or twice, you're used to it, that's just just you, do your thing hallelujah you've already been all over the internet you're a pervert just be what you are there's something wrong with you oh I didn't come to be politically correct I've come to preach truth you need this look at the home you came out of the family that you've got you were messed up before you ever got to church this is just in your blood it's in your DNA your daddy was a junkie so now you're just going to be a junkie your grandfather was a drunk so you'll be a drunk your daddy was a hypocrite Pentecostal that lived how he wanted to live outside and away from the church and that's just what you are I felt something right there come on He wants to hook you with shame. You'll never be free from this. He wants you to think that once you fall, you can never get back up. Once you fail, there is no point of stopping. Come on. Once you fall down hard enough, there is no way to get back up. He wants you to believe that failure is permanent. But he's a liar. He's a deceiver. The Bible declares, when I fall, I shall arise. I'm here to tell somebody no matter how far down you have fallen, you can get up again. No matter how badly you fail, you can recover. I feel something starting to happen right now in the Holy Ghost. There's people been bound for years going to get delivered tonight. Come on. I believe God wants to deliver people right here in this room from antidepressants and mind-altering drugs that you've become addicted to. I feel a prophetic anointing in this room. Come on, you hear me tonight. I believe tonight somebody can flush some pills down the toilet and say, I'll never need these again. I'll never need this to prop me up. I'll never need this to wake me up. I'll never need this to alter my emotions. I'm going to let Jesus do it. Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on, God wants to deliver some people from private addictions. Jesus looking at people all across this room and if you think I'm here to preach the 10 or 20 shame is clinging to the majority of the people under the sound of my voice oh it comes in different ways and for different reasons but it's in this room tonight but before this night is over you're going to put your foot on top of it Adam and Eve have sinned. They failed. And their response, when the voice of the Lord comes into the garden, is to run and hide. When we commit sin, the voice of God is frightening in our lives. Because shame says, after you fail, God is coming to destroy you. You don't get to see it because he's speaking in their minds, but no doubt they told Adam and Eve, God's going to get you. He got me, he's going to get you. It frustrates the devil that God's plan is all about restoration. Because he never got to have restoration. The devil never got to experience redemption. Redemption. And he knows that God is a God of mercy and a God of love and a God of redemption. It frustrates him like you can't even imagine. That he has convinced Adam and Eve, you've got to hide. God is angry and God is going to judge you. You've done this and you've messed everything up. You have corrupted God's perfect plan. And now God is going to take his revenge on you. Adam! Where are you? I was naked and was afraid and I hid myself. Adam, why were you naked? How do you even know this? Nakedness, interestingly enough, translates to shame in this passage of scripture. Adam's and Eve's choices has exposed them and exposed things in their life. The knowledge that they gained was not the knowledge they hoped to gain. Come on, somebody. And now they are hiding, terrified of what comes next. Adam is afraid. But what you have to understand is Adam has never felt the emotion of fear in his life until this moment. This is the first time he has been in the grip of fear and the grip of shame. And it is choking the life out of him. Come on, shame will tell you to sit there and not respond. Not flinch. Don't shed a tear. Come on. Stay in your lane. Don't act like nothing's wrong. You don't want anybody to think you've got a problem. You don't want to let on to the pastor. You don't want to let on to the youth pastor. You don't want to let your friends think anything's wrong. You know and I know this thing ain't ever going to change. So why don't you just keep it together until peak conference is over. Come on. I've come to pull the cover off of the devil tonight. I'm here to tell you, you can be free, but you have to want to be free. You can be delivered, but there has to be a desire in your soul. I'm tired of being bound. I'm tired of being addicted. I'm tired of being shackled by the devil. I want to be set free. Is there anybody that wants to be free tonight? Adam and Eve covered with shame God created them with innocence and they have traded that for shame that's one of the powerful works of the cross when we come to the foot of the cross he took my shame on the cross in exchange for his innocence I'm not here because I'm good I'm not here because I'm fourth generation Pentecost, I'm not here because I bought my way here But he took my shame. Come on somebody. He took my shame and gave me his innocence. Anybody thankful for Calvary? Anybody thankful for the cross? His blood is still powerful enough to make you clean. Praise God. But you have to understand tonight, the devil does not have the power that you and I think that he does. Oh, the devil has dressed himself up in our mind to be this towering, powerful giant. But he's a fraud. I said, he's a fraud. He's a liar. I said, at the end, we will look narrowly down upon him and say, is that the one that weakened the nation's? He's not what you think that he is. The devil does not have the power to turn you into a fornicator. Couldn't do it if he wanted to. I know that must rub against the grain here in Pentecost because we get it in our minds. And I've been where you are as apostolic young people that if the devil wants to, he can make us fall. If the devil tries hard enough, he can push us right into addictions. The devil couldn't make you smoke a cigarette if he tried with everything he's got. He couldn't make you backslide if he wanted to. He has never had that kind of power. I wish somebody believed what I'm saying. He doesn't have the power to do anything to you. Do you believe that tonight? It's not the devil that's causing you to fornicate. You're choosing to fornicate. Sin is a choice. I said sin is a choice. And just as much as you can choose sin, you can choose to leave sin. Just as much as you can choose to pick up addiction, you can put down an addiction right here in this room. Come on. Come on. Holy Ghost is trying to work on somebody right now. The devil does not have the power. To force you to do anything against your will, you have to make the decision. All he could do was tempt Eve, he had no permission or authority to move beyond that. Eve had to make the choice and take the fruit. Come on, somebody. The devil is not going to push you into anything. You've got to willingly choose to do it. I'm wondering if there's anybody that is ready to start pushing back right here, right now on what is pushing on you. Come on, somebody. The devil's real power is in his word. when the devil speaks he's looking for someone to listen and not only listen but he wants someone to agree I'm going to mess with your theology the Bible says all things are possible to him that believeth it works both ways the lies of the devil have no power in your life until you believe them Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? The devil has no control over your mind or emotions until you begin to listen to the nonsense he vomits in your brain. When you begin to listen to what he has to say and you begin to agree, he gets a foothold into your mind and into your consciousness. Come on, somebody. The devil's talking to some of you right now. Sit down. Shut your mouth. Don't respond. Don't make a move. Come on. You're not going to get free tonight. You've danced and shouted before. You've talked in tongues before and went out and made yourself look like a fool. This won't be any different. He's lying to you. I said, he's lying to you. You'll never come out of that addiction. You'll never be any different than the way that you are. He's lying to you. He wants you to agree with what he has to say about you. Young man, he wants you to believe that because of the actions you've taken in the last couple of months that you're a homosexual and that you'll always be one. He's a lying spirit. That's not what you are. That's, is this old-fashioned or can I be apostolic? Young lady, I don't care what happened or what was done to you, you are not a lesbian. You're a child of God and a daughter of the king. Stop wearing the devil's labels. Stop listening and agreeing with what he has to say. You are not hopelessly addicted. You are not hopelessly bound. Come on, you are not stuck in the place that you're in. I want you to tell yourself, tell God, tell somebody, I am coming out of this tonight. Something is changing tonight. Something is breaking tonight. I will leave peak 2022 free. I said I'm leaving free. Jesus, I know it's being live streamed, but i got to say what i got to say tonight. When those live streams interfere for us being able to preach what's in this, there is an onslaught of homosexuality and transgenderism being pressed upon us right now. And it's worked its tentacles into this crowd tonight. I'm gonna tell you right now, tonight, this is a place of deliverance. You're not meant to transition, you hear me? That's a lying spirit. I don't care what the teacher told you. I don't care what your friend said to you. You wouldn't be better off some other way. He said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I am created in the image of God I don't care what they said about your looks honey you're a child of God he created you a woman and you need to stay that way some of you parents ought to preach with me right now you have no idea how high the stakes are right now in this crowd God created you exactly the way he wanted you to be. Come on, you're either a man or you're a woman. Don't be ashamed. You don't need to blend in. You don't need to tell your friends, I'm accepting of your beliefs. Be a man. Be a woman. Be a child of God. And don't be ashamed. The adversary is using shame to push our entire nation and world to embracing homosexual and transgenderism movement. To the point even government leaders will say, well, I'm not that way, but I I accept it and I'd be open to it. We will never be open to it. What we do believe is that if you are bound in a homosexual lifestyle, that Jesus loves you and you can be forgiven and you can be set free and you can receive the Holy Ghost. I've watched him do it. He can save anybody, but he wants to bring you out of that. He wants to deliver you from that. That's not what you are. That's not who you are. He tells us too much has happened. Too much water has gone under the bridge. You fooled around like this too many times. That's what you are. That's become your identity. Come on. I've been in Apostolic altars before and have the devil whisper, but this, you're repeating what you've always done. You come back and you pray through it. You shout and dance through Friday night and then go back home and fall off the wagon. I'm telling somebody this year, this year, you're going to walk out of here in victory and you're going to walk back into peak 23 in victory. Oh yeah. I said you're coming back next year with victory from this year. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. I serve a God with chain-breaking power. Come on, He can set you free from anything if you'll give Him the opportunity to. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. Whatever your addiction, whatever spirit is tormenting you, you can be set free. I feel all kind of stuff in this crowd right now. corner I'm That spirit that keeps lying to you to cut yourself and mutilate yourself and starve yourself, come on. That spirit that says you're ugly, you're messed up, you're jacked up, you're broken, come on. That spirit that makes you cry yourself to sleep every night, it's a lying spirit and you can be set free tonight. You're a child of God. You don't have anything to be ashamed of. To everyone that has come in this room tonight with your head hanging down, shackled by heavy depression and spirits of anxiety. I am telling you tonight that Jesus can set you free and can give you joy and peace in the Holy Ghost on a level you have not known before. Come on, somebody. You don't need Jack Daniels to make you feel better. You need a tongue-talking experience. You don't need antidepressants to level you out. You need the Holy Ghost to throw in your life right now. He said he'll make us to sit in heavenly places. He'll lift you up out of the mess that you're in right now. Come on, come on, you may be the only person in your house that's living for God. Come on, you may have everything working against you. You may have all the pressure upon you right now. But right here in this altar, I'm telling you that Jesus can lift you up above the distress that is surrounding you. You don't need a drug to bail you out. You don't need a sexual relationship to fix you. You need the Holy Ghost. Ah, I feel something breaking right now, the Holy Ghost. Let's just press right now for about 30 seconds. Would you let the Holy Ghost flow? all the way to the back here at some point in this service deliverance is going to sweep all the way into those back corners you need to get ready for it in the name of Jesus I want you to hear me Some of you don't know what voice is speaking in your mind, and you're confused. When the devil speaks to you, when he speaks to you, he leaves feelings, lingering feelings of fear. And he says things like, You'll never get out of this, you'll never change this, this is never going to get better. This is just a part of you. He leaves you, when he speaks into your mind and spirit, he leaves you with feelings of fear and hopelessness, torment and anxiety. Hallelujah. What does God think about you? God is also looking for someone to agree with him. God's promises and what he plans for you have no power until you agree. Does anybody believe that you're a child of God? That you're a person of promise? For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Come on, God has a perfect and wonderful plan for your life. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you got into Pentecost last week. I don't care if you have no family in Pentecost whatsoever. God has a plan and a purpose and a calling and a destiny for you. There is an anointing that you can pick up right here in this peak conference. You need to agree with what God has to say about you regardless of where you've been and regardless of what you've done. God loves you more than you'll ever know. God cares about you more than you can comprehend. And God is ready to restore you tonight no matter how far down you have fallen. Jesus! When the devil speaks, he strikes fear in our hearts. But when God begins to speak to us, when God speaks into your mind and spirit, it comes with feelings of peace. It comes with a feeling of calmness. He brings a feeling of assurance. When God speaks into your world, he'll bring feelings of hope. Come on. Some of you hadn't felt hope in so long. You don't know what hope looks like or feels like, but God's fixing to give you hope again. You hear me? God is about to restore your hope in your future. This is not how it ends for you. I'm here to declare that in ki- the kingdom of God, failure is not permanent and failure is not forever. You can get up and you can be free oh, ah, ah, be the Lord. one more time before we bring this any further I want us to reach out to the Lord and I want you to begin to think about what you are battling right now in your life I want you to begin to think about what is pressing on you right now I want you to think about in your mind what that struggle has been what it looks like what its name is and you don't have to say where anybody can hear you but god this is the thing that has been pervasive in my life this is the thing i cannot be free from this is the thing that has haunted me this is what wakes me up in the middle of the night This is what happens every time I come to a place like this, and I feel like I'm going to have victory. This pops up in my mind. And I feel like it's hopeless and I can go nowhere. Come on. I want you to lift that to the Lord for a moment. I want you to lift it to the Lord for a moment. (laughs) Romandukuriya Bahasharakaya. Na maha sharia Mahaya. Something doesn't just need a shift in our own personal attitudes and our own personal life. Shame will cause you to want to bring others down to your level if you're living with shame. Stop pulling other young people into your mess. And every time a young person falls in your youth group, stop blowing them up on social media and making them feel like an outcast. Restoration doesn't just come from Jesus. It should flow through the body. Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. How many wants to help somebody else get free tonight? Restoration is everybody's responsibility. Trying to bring this to a close, musicians. The prodigal has gone out. So does Wild Oats. Did everything that he was big enough to do. There was an experience... He got right in the middle of it. If there was some kind of perverted act, he participated. If there was something he could taste and try, that would make him have some out-of-body experience and no doubt he took it. He wanted to feel the depths of sin. But sin runs short. And if you're in this room and you're in the middle of sin right now, and you haven't reached that place, I'm telling you, you're about to hit a wall soon. You don't have to wait until it gets that far. You can turn it around, right here, right now. Yes, so does Wild Oats. He has done everything that he has wanted to do and then some. He's experienced everything the Father would never let him have. And then famine comes into that country. You see, when we run from God, when we fail, I read it in the text earlier. He devises means to bring us back. That means every time you fail, the Lord is looking for a way to get you back to where you belong it's the devil that lies to you and says the church has forgotten about you the pastor is angry at you God hates you you can never walk back into that church again you can never recover from this again There's no way to move beyond this. But God is always devising and crafting a plan to bring you back home. Right now, He has a plan to get you back. He's already worked mercy into your story. You hear me? The Lord had already provided a provision of mercy for Simon Peter. He knew Simon would fall. And mercy was made available. Mercy is available to every person under the sound of my voice right now. His mercies are new every morning. Why? Because you need it. I said, you need it. Mercy is not just needed at the point of conversion when you speak in tongues. But mercy is needed daily. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? You need it. I said you need it. Come on, don't get so high and mighty and spiritual to feel as if you don't need mercy. Friend, you probably needed mercy yesterday. You probably needed it today. And you're probably going to need it tomorrow. Mercy is real. And it's here for you now. He devises means. He has a plan to get you back. The prodigal has fallen flat on his face. He has run out of resources. He has emptied himself. And that's what sin does. It drains us. It drains us of life. It drains us of hope. It drains us of potential. It'll destroy your ministry. Can you hear me? It'll destroy a calling. It'll destroy your future if you let it and he has wasted all he has spent all the Bible says that a famine came into that country and everything began to implode around him all the backup plans and crutches are gone and it seems so coincidental the timing of this great famine but isn't it like the Lord who allows something into our path that while it's painful it pushes us back in his direction. Hallelujah. It's not enough for him. He goes into the streets, lives as a vagrant, starving to death, no one to take him in. Broken, defeated by sin, defeated by his own choices. He is wasted away. He has nothing to show for life. The man he was in the father's house doesn't resemble the figure At this point in the story No one will help him No one will take him in He finds his way to the hog farmer Knocks on the door Of the farmer says, I I I'm starving I have nothing It's been so long since I've eaten I'll do anything Just to eat Sin makes you desperate Sin breaks you down He goes into the hog pen and he is starving to death. He is surrounded and even becoming covered by the excrement of the hogs and the filth of their wallow. And even in this filthy, decrepit place, he feels hunger pangs and desires to eat in the middle of the hogs. They wouldn't even let him have that option. And he comes to his senses. And that's where you've got to be right now. Because whether you realize it or not, this is a crossroads tonight. If you're waiting until tomorrow or Friday night, you'll get it all together. You're wasting your time right now, tonight. This service has got to go as deep as we will let God take us for the rest of this week to be what it needs to be. You're at a crossroads tonight in your life, young man and young lady. Whether you realize it or not, Tonight is a time and a moment of decision. He was at his crossroads. The Bible said at the lowest place in his life, he came to his senses. It wasn't a coincidence, but God is devising means to bring the banished home. The pain and torment in your life, it's not God angry trying to judge you but you've been thinking more of God lately than you have in a long time. What is it? God is trying to draw you back. God's not letting your plans succeed. Why? He's trying to bring you home. God's not letting you chase your own dreams. Why? He wants to bring you home. He has a plan to get you back. He begins a journey home. And it's a long journey because it was a far country. He gets to the edge of the property and he's hesitant. as no doubt every backslider is before they push open the door of the old church. He sets foot on the property and shame has humbled him and broken him down. He's a walking epitome of shame. And he sees a figure running in the distance in his direction. And I'm certain he has seen that a few times as people came cursing and swearing, demanding he get off the property immediately. That's not what happens as the figure gets closer. He realizes, that's, that's my father. But what, what's he gonna do? What's his response gonna be? Everybody knows what I've done. Everybody knows I'm a failure. That's what the devil's telling you right now. Everybody knows. That, the father gets to him he doesn't rebuke him he doesn't disown him he doesn't throw him away he doesn't say you're no longer a part of the family because that's not what your father intends to do either i said jesus doesn't throw people away jesus doesn't disown his children once you're a child of a king he intends to keep you The Father embraces him. He is weeping. My son that was lost is found. We have waited for this moment. We have waited for this time. We thought you'd never come back, but we've held on to hope. But the son pushes back on him. Listen, Dad, I, I, I took what you gave me and I destroyed it. I didn't just break it. There's nothing left. I took everything you invested in me, everything you gave me, and I have ruined it permanently. I don't even deserve to be on this property. I don't deserve to be a part of your family. I don't deserve to ever be loved or recognized again. But if you'll just make me a servant and put me in a corner. And forget about me and give me some little menial job. But just let me be home again. See, there's a bunch of you that are here, but you're not home. You're here in body, but you're not back in your mind yet. Come on. I said, you're here in body right now, but you're not here in your mind. Come on, God wants somebody to come home. You hear me tonight? God wants someone to come home. I said, it's time to come home. said make me a servant but what he was really saying is what shame does to each of us the translation is make me a slave because I don't deserve anything better than that make me a slave because I'm not good enough to be a son shame will tell you, you don't deserve to be a child of God. You don't deserve to have the Holy Ghost. You don't deserve to have victory. You don't deserve to have a ministry. Come on, there's young men and young ladies all across this room. The devil has told you because of failures, you will never step into ministry. That God has promised you, come on, because of mistakes in your past, you'll never preach. You'll never be a soul winner. You'll teach a Bible study you'll be a degenerate like your father the devil is a liar make me a slave shame brings with it a slave mentality that thinks I cannot go beyond this how many apostolics sit in our churches And they're there, and they feel the presence of God, and they talk in tongues, but never move beyond slave status. God's plan for you is not to make you a slave. He wants you to be a son and a daughter of God. Come on, somebody. God's plan for you is not to make you a slave. So the father says to him, that's not my plan for you. You're not going to be a slave in my house, your home, where you belong. Bring me the best robe. They bring the finest robe the father had. Understand the son is filthy and He is reeking with hog excrement. He is filthy from head to toe. And the father puts that robe over him. What is that a representation of? It's a robe of righteousness. He said, put that over the stench. Put that over the scars. Put that over the failures. Put that over the mistakes. That's what Jesus does with your failure. He covers it. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I said he will cover you. He will cover your sin. He'll cover your past. Put the ring on him. The ring is symbolic because it bore the seal of the family. The name of the Father was upon the ring. And whoever bore the ring of the family name came in the name of the Father. And had the power of the Father upon him. Wherever the Son would go with that ring on his finger, we know who his daddy is. And you give him whatever he wants. He said, put the ring of authority back on him. I'm going to tell you something. When you went down in water in Jesus' name, he put his name on you. And because of that name, you've been given power and authority. Do you believe that right now? I said, you've been given power and authority. So when Jesus restores, he does not restore it partially. He doesn't just cover your sin. Come on, but he wants to restore you completely. He tells the son, you can move back into your room. You can have all of your stuff back. Jesus does not want you to come back and get at the end of the line. Come on, I feel it beginning to happen right now. I feel it beginning to build in this room. God's not trying to put you at the end of the line, young man. God's saying you can get right back in your place. Come on, there's about to be restoration all across this house. After the removing of shame, Joel prophesies, it shall come to pass afterward. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit, the removal of shame will come, and then will follow outpouring of the Holy Ghost, callings, come on, ministries, I believe God wants to raise up prophets in this time and age. I wonder if there's five of you interested in that tonight. I said God wants to raise up prophets and preachers and evangelists and missionaries all across this room. This week needs to be a week of calling. Come on, after he lifts the shame off of you, you'll be able to step into the future he has promised you. If you're ready... I want you to do something symbolic, what you were thinking of earlier, that sin, that shame, whatever that is. I want you to take it in your hands and I want you to lift it to the Lord all across this room right now. And I want you to tell the Lord, Jesus, I give it to you right now. Come on, I want you to begin to lift your voice and pray in this manner, in your own words. But right now, Jesus, I am releasing to you Every private addiction. Come on, would you lift your voice all the way to the back? Jesus, I release to you this struggle that I've kept secret. Jesus, I release to you. Come on. God's not giving you partial restoration, but total restoration. Come on. I wish someone would lift your voice a little bit louder now. It's going to begin to build in this house. Take everything, I surrender it. Forgive me, wash me. Come on somebody, don't be afraid of who's listening to your prayer. Come on, don't worry about who's watching. Don't worry about their opinion. Release it to him. I give you my battle, my struggle. Now, I want you to say it at the top of your lungs. Jesus, I give you my shame. I want you to say it louder. Jesus, I give you my shame. Now, I want you to throw your hands in the air, and I want you to begin to pray. To break all across this house in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let addictions be broken. In the name of Jesus, let deliverance be given. Come on, pray. It's happening right now.